Good morning again, Maple Grove. All right. You all sang so good today. It was awesome. Hey, this time our Grove kids are dismissed if they're not there already. And welcome to Christmas Eve 2023 and Merry, Merry, Almost Here Christmas. And that's crazy, right? I mean, like, where did this year go? Okay, so we're in this series called The, the Messages of Christmas, and, and we've uncovered some of the messages that are tucked within the first Christmas story. And, and listen, the messages that we've uncovered so far are powerful, encouraging, and empowering. In week one, we uncovered the message of destiny and the truth that it is never too late or never too early to be used by God. And remember, as Jesus followers, your destiny as a Jesus follower is to become more and more like Jesus and bring God glory by doing all the good things he created you to do. Our destiny as Jesus followers is to become more and more like Jesus and bring God glory by doing all the things he created and prepared in advance for us to do. Now that's what I call destiny worth living for, amen? amen? To become more like Jesus, to bring God glory, and to do all the things that God prepared in advance for you to do. Last week we uncovered the, the message of obedience and we learned from Joseph, uh, Jesus' adopted dad, that obedience can be embarrassing, is often inconvenient, doesn't always make sense, usually comes with the price, and is always rewarded. And, and what are the rewards of, of that obedience to Christ? Uh, being used by God, knowing God better, pleasing God, being confident of, of where we stand with God, and having his favor and blessings poured out on our lives. Uh, this morning, Christmas Eve 2023, we're going to talk about what is, without a doubt, the most important message of Christmas, the message of salvation. And here's how I want to attack our text this morning. I, I want to unpack these three statements. Salvation, it is the reason. Salvation, it's finally here. Uh, salvation, it's more than just forgiveness. Uh, salvation, it's available to all. And then salvation, it is by grace through faith. Would you guys please stand with me for a second? And now that you're standing, we're going to take two and welcome those around us. I'm going to prime the pump and then uh, I'll pray us into the message. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we can gather in your house with your family and God, I pray that as we, we talk about the message of salvation, that our hearts and minds will be open. And God, I know you have plans and intentions for this day. I, I pray that everything you want to happen in us, in our lives, in the next few moments, Lord, will happen. In Jesus' name, amen. First point in your, in your notes is salvation, it is the reason. Salvation, it is the reason. I, understand, I, I have nothing against reindeer. Fussy the Snowman, Rudolph, Elves, even Elves on Shelves, the Grinch, or Christmas trees, lights, stockings, presents, parties, or cookies. However, Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus will always be the reason for the season. Amen? Amen. In fact, the word Christmas means a celebration of Christ. The word Christ means Messiah anointed one, Mass means celebration. And so maybe instead of saying happy holidays or even Merry Christmas, we could maybe say, have a merry time celebrating Christ. Have a merry time celebrating who he is. Have a merry time celebrating that God came near. Have a merry time celebrating what he did. Have a merry time celebrating our Messiah. Now understand, 2,000 years ago, God, God put on flesh, was born in a manger, for one primary reason, to bring salvation. And therefore, it shouldn't surprise us when we look at the Christmas story, uh, we see the, the message of salvation like it's all over the place. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and, and 21, 
An angel of the Lord appeared to him, that would be Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua, Hebrew known Joshua, which means God is salvation or, or God saves. So really the angel is saying, Joseph, you are to name this baby God saves because he will save, because he will save his people from their sins. And when the angels lit up the sky before a bunch of shepherds, their message was salvation. Luke 2, 10 11. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. Someone say, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And by the way, isn't it awesome that he makes this announcement to a bunch of shepherds? I mean, these guys were at the bottom rung of the social and economic ladder, and yet God's greatest announcement was made to them. Understand, if you think you're not good enough or haven't accomplished enough or not worthy enough for the gospel, for the salvation, you are dead wrong. Amen? God did this intentional. Sent the message to them. And listen, this message of salvation was not just proclaimed by angels, but we see it all over the Christmas story. And in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he proclaims a, a powerful message about God. A message, you guessed it, that's about salvation. I mean, he even uses the word three times along with using the words like mercy, rescue, and redemption. And here's how Zechariah, John's dad, wraps up this message. And just picture him. He's holding a JTB. That's what I call John the Baptist. He's holding JTB in his arms, little baby in his arms. He waited for decades for this baby. And he says, and you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. And we see this message of salvation when Mary and Joseph, they take Jesus to the temple. They run into an old guy named Simeon. And when Simeon grabs Jesus, holds Jesus... He praises God saying in Luke 2, 29 through 32, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Someone say, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. Now, understand. Jesus is the greatest Christmas gift that you have ever received. And the gift that he brought you was your salvation. And what were you saved from? You were saved from the wrath of God due to the penalty of your sins. Salvation is the reason. Next, salvation is finally here. Again, it's kind of crazy that tomorrow is, is Christmas Day. When I was a kid, my mom always told me, Stevie, when you get older, time goes faster. Oh, my gosh, right? I mean, she wasn't lying, right? It goes faster and faster and faster. But not for kids, right? And when you're, when you're young, and you're, it seems like Christmas is never going to get here, right? But guess what? In 14 hours, it'll be here. So if you have some wrapping to do and, you know, those easy instructions that, to put something together that you're gonna, that's not going to work, welcome to Christmas. But listen, waiting and looking forward to Christmas has always been a part of the Christmas story. In fact, when Jesus was laid in that manger 2,000 years ago, people have been waiting and longing for Jesus to come, the Messiah, their entire lives. I mean, check out what Simeon said. We talked about it earlier. Here's what Simeon also said. Here's how Luke introduces him. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You know, he was waiting for the time God would come and rescue his people. And the Holy Spirit was on him. 
And listen, when, when they took baby Jesus to the temple, not only did they meet Simeon, they, they met an 80-plus-year-old widow named Anna who spent every day and every night praying and worshiping in the temple. And she took a hold of that baby, and she, she gave thanks to God, Luke 2, 36, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, Simeon, Anna, and everybody alive at that first Christmas was waiting for the arrival of Jesus their entire lives. Isn't it so good to live on the other side of the cross in the tomb? Or he's just waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. Some of you, he's waiting on you to make a decision for him, by the way. To surrender to him. But God's people have not been waiting just their entire lives. But since 2,000 years earlier, when God made the promise to Abraham that, that he would send the Messiah. But do you know who was waiting longer than God's people for Christmas to come? God, right? God, Bible, Jesus, right? They're the answers, right? So ever since the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, and in so doing put up this wall of separation between God and them, between the people God had made in his own image, between the people that God so loved, God had been waiting. In Genesis 3, God begins to weave his plan for his son to come. And listen, I have no doubt whatsoever that when that day finally arrived, thousands and thousands of years later, that God was like, yes, it's Christmas. Salvation is here. The time has finally come when I can unleash my mercy and my grace on the people that I love so dearly. Now, Galatians 5, Paul talks about this perfect time for Christ to come. He writes in Galatians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, uh, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. So that we might receive what? Adoptions as sons. In mere Christianity, uh, Lewis, he, he called the following, he called it the great, the grand miracle. Uh, the son of man, the son of God became a man so that men could become sons of God. Uh, the son of God became a man so that you and I could become sons of God. Have you wondered why, like, first century Israel was like, of all time in human history, Right? Like, why did God choose that time? Why was that the perfect time? Well, why was that the fullness of time? I, I think there's several reasons. Um, one would be the Roman Empire was at the height of its power. And Roman peace, the Pax Romana, was established from Britain to India. And that meant that people could travel safely, more safely than any time in their history, without worried about barriers put up by nations and politicians. Also, you had the Roman roads that stretched throughout the empire, so now not only could you travel safely, you could travel quickly and easily. I think another reason was that Greek had become the universal language. Everybody spoke the Greek language. When Alexander conquered the world, he took with him the Greek language. And Koine Greek was a, a very specific language that that has so many crazy verb endings, all this craziness that, it, you know, it's like black and white, the color TV, right? It, it, Greek language was specific, and it could, it could speak the truth of God in, in ways that no other language could. And also you had the rise of Greek philosophy because it became common. People wanted to get around and, and go to their version of Starbucks and, and talk about the meaning and purpose of life, about immortality, the nature of man, righteousness, and salvation. She had Roman peace, Roman roads, universal language, Koine Greek, Greek philosophy. And fifth, there was a longing for something better in many hearts because everything they had hoped would bring their life's meaning and purpose had what? Failed them. Bottom line, people were disillusioned and desperate. Pagan religion was bankrupt. Philosophers only raised questions but had few real answers. The government turned out to be not only little help but more like a, a lot of hurt. 
and thoroughly corrupted. Crime was all-time high. Respect was lacking. Sin and corruption abounded. Disease, the breakup of the family, and sexual perversion were running rampant in the empire. It was truly a time of moral and spiritual darkness. Sound familiar? And into this environment of darkness came the light of the world. It was a perfect time. It was the fullness of time. Salvation was finally here. Next, salvation is it's more than just forgiveness. And don't get me wrong. Forgiveness is needed, is necessary, and is amazing. I mean, to have the, the sin barrier removed, to have Jesus pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could never pay, uh, to have the, the wrath of God satisfied in Christ, not in us. To be made right with God, it's just what we needed. Amen? I, I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin, that would be Jesus, to be sin for us. In other words, God says, you know what? In my mind, Jesus becomes sin. In my mind, Jesus pays the penalty for your sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, someone say, so that in him, him. we might become the righteousness of God. Woo! Are you kidding me? Listen, as far as God is concerned, because I'm in Christ, I am as righteous as he is, right? It's imputed righteousness. It's righteousness that God gives me that I can never have on my own. So believe me, I'm not putting down forgiveness in our salvation, but I'm here to tell you that it's even more than that. And you know, as I was thinking about the truth that salvation is is more than just forgiveness, a, a line from the 1997 blockbuster movie, Titanic, came into my mind. And not, I'm the king of the world. Not that line. And said it's toward the end of the movie when Rose is old and she's, she's telling the crew in the salvage boat about how she was saved on a sinking ship. Because, like Jack, and there's a great debate, go online, there's a great debate raging for decades now. Like, couldn't they take turns, right? Like, could they share it, right? I watched, like, could, like, can you stay for a while? Let Jack on there? Could you share that thing? But no, I don't know. But anyhow, we lost Jack that day. <laughs> Woo, 36. Anyhow, I hate to ruin the movie. I haven't seen it yet. But anyhow, uh, back to the story. And here's what she says. She has this line. So now you know that there was a man named Jack Dawson. And he saved me in every way that a person can be saved. And after she says that line, it, it, the, the camera scans the room and shows all the various photographs of the adventurous, amazing life she had lived because of Jack Dawson. Maple Grove, 2,000 years ago, A baby was born in a manger. His name is Jesus. And he saved us in every possible way that a person can be saved. Understand, when we scan the photos of the life that we can now live because of Jesus, because Jesus saved us, it is beyond amazing. Maple Grove, it's Christmas 2023, and because of Jesus and the salvation that he brought us, we can now live a life that is full of meaning, satisfaction, and eternal purpose. Uh, We can now live a life that is free from the bondages of worry, of doubt, fear, condemnation, measuring up, and the pain of the regret of past mistakes. Because of Jesus, the salvation that he brings, we can live a life of pure joy in the face of all kinds of circumstances. We can live a life where we can truly love others because we are truly loved by God. A life where we can have a living hope and a peace that passes all understanding because we know that we have an inheritance that can never spoil or fade away that's kept in heaven for us. 
Because of Jesus and the salvation that he brought us, we can now live a life with the spirit and power of God inside of us. Helping us to to rise above every struggle, to overcome every obstacle, and to develop an ever-increasing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in our lives. We can now live a life where we really are a new creation, where the old is gone and going and going. And where God's image and likeness is being renewed in us day by day by day by day. As we live a life that looks increasingly like the life Jesus lived when he wore flesh and walked this planet. Bottom line, salvation is about both our forgiveness and our restoration. Merry Christmas. Forgiveness of your sins. Saved and rescued from the wrath of God. And God's image being restored in you day by day. So that you, as God's masterpiece, can live the life you were created to live. The life that you always dreamed of. Salvation is more than just forgiveness. It's finally here. It is the reason. And it's available to all. How awesome is that? And I always like to tease and say the Greek word for all means all, right? Luke 2.10. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Someone say, I bring you good news of great joy. That would be for all the people. Luke 2.30 and 32. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light for revelation of Gentiles and for the glory of your people. All people. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, no longer under the wrath of God, but have eternal life. For God not, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Yes, salvation, the salvation we've been talking about, forgiveness and restoration, is available to all. And listen, you are most definitely part of that all, amen? God is inviting you and me into the fullness of his salvation. Get it? Good. And I want to do a new one just for Christmas Eve. Okay, your line is going to be, you know it. Someone say, you know it. That's your only line. I'm going to say, so do you want it? You're going to say, you know it. Then I'm going to say, me too, all right? (laughs) It's a new one. I know, I know, know it's risky here. Talking about salvation. So do you want it? Me too. So do you want it? Me too. So do you want it? Me too. Amen. You guys are great. Awesome. Thanks for playing along with Steve this morning. There'll be a special gift waiting for you in the parking lot. Be the exit out of here right now. Salvation is the reason. It's finally here. It's more than just forgiveness. It's available to all. And now the question of the ages is, how do we get in on the Christmas gift of salvation that's only found in Jesus? And it is only found in Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me. No one comes to the Father except what? Except through me, right? And then Peter and John, in Acts chapter 4, have been arrested and told to shut up about Jesus. They said, sorry, can't do it. And they say, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to man by which they must be saved. Okay? So, like, ha! We got this awesome gift, and the question is, how do we get in on that gift? Well, salvation is by grace through faith. I understand the Bible teaches that this gift, forgiveness and restoration and eternal life in Jesus cannot be earned or deserved. Salvation is not something we achieve or strive for. The Bible word for this is grace. God's unearned, unmerited favor. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not 
from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We're saved by grace through faith. There's an acrostic of the word grace that's been around for a long time. I don't think it's from Peter or Paul, but it's still good. You know, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Oh, we get the riches of God poured out of us, and Jesus paid the bill. Amen? Like, that, that's a good deal. If you're looking for a good deal, you're not going to find it on Black Friday or anything like that. This is a deal of the century right here. We get the riches of God, and Jesus Christ paid the bill for us. We're saved by grace through faith. The Bible teaches that this message, this grace, is, is received through faith. Throughout the page of the New Testament, we see the details of a faith that saves. Qu- question, do details matter? Are details important? Like, it, if, you're, if you're dialing my phone number, and you dial 424, my phone number is 434-284-1057, text to give at 434. <laughs> it's Christmas time, y'all. Text if you want to, <laughs> I just, uh, sorry, I, I don't know where that came from. A lot of things happens. Anyhow, uh, my phone number is 434-284-1057, right? 434. If you dial 424-284-1057, are you going to reach me? But what if you're really, really sincere and really want to receive that? No, you're not going to, right? That, that one digit. Like, like if, if you're Google Internet and you put .org instead of .com, will you get to the website you want to reach? No, you're just not. If you're cooking and you leave one ingredient out of that recipe, is it going to taste the same? No, it's just not, right? Those details matter. And if those details matter then, why would we think that the details in God's plan of salvation wouldn't matter? Like, would anything lead us to believe that God doesn't care about details? On the contrary, God seems to really care about details. In Genesis 6 through 9, right, he, he tells Noah, he gave him details how to build the ark and how to fill the ark. And, and Noah followed those details precisely, and he and his family were saved. And, and, and Joshua 6 through 9, you know, God gives Joshua specific instructions of how to conquer the fortified city of Jericho. Didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, bring out your praise team, march around one time on this day, 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 one time on day six, and the wall still stood, right? It wasn't until they marched around all those times on day seven that they came down. Here's a side note. Um, Don't quit on six. You know, don't quit on six. What if they quit on six? Like, gosh, we've been doing this for a long time, and those walls are still there. Maybe you've been banging God in an area of your life for a long time. It's just like, man, I keep doing the right thing and nothing's happening the way I want it to. Don't quit on six, right? Because you never know. Your breakthrough could be right around the corner, so don't quit on six. But again, those details mattered. Uh, there was an Assyrian general named Nahum. He had leprosy. He goes to Elisha, and Elijah said, hey, dude, if you want to get rid of this leprosy, you have to dip in the Jordan River seven times. You get the Jordan River's nasty. How about my river? My river's nice. I got to pull in my backyard. Just got to install. Can I dip in there? He goes, no, dip in the Jordan. He goes to the Jordan River. He dips once. Still had it. Dips twice. Three, four, five, six. Still had it. Dips the seventh time. Guess what happened? It was gone. Right? Those details matter. And the Bible has given us details how we get in on this awesome gift of salvation. And those details matter to God. We're saved by grace through faith, so let's unpack the faith that saves. Again, the only reason there's a Christmas to begin with is because of, the, of salvation, right? Jesus came to save us, okay? Saving faith responds by believing. I got this really awesome Christmas playlist I've been sharing it to people. I don't know if they listen to it or not, but it's like, it's like Steve's greatest Christmas playlist ever. And like, I never listen to Christmas songs. Like, I was in, I was in Fulon the other day, uh, my man Jesse, and I'm watching, I said, Jesse, have you been listening to this stuff since Thanksgiving? I said, dude, 
you're my hero. How you do it every day? He goes, man, it's getting hard, right? You know? And so I'm thinking, I feel you, man. So he's a, I said, it's coming. Your freedom's coming, Jesse. Pretty soon you'll be free from, you know, eight hours every day, nonstop Christmas music, right? Standing on your feet. But, but, but so I've never done it. But this year I made my very first Christmas list. And I've been listening to that thing. And it's, it's really good. And, and, and uh, there's a song by David Crowder called I Heard About You. Such a good song. And, it's really about a guy who said, hey, I, heard, I see people, I heard about you, but could it really be true? Like, I heard all these stories, and people say it's true, but what if it's really true? And, and, and so, what if all the stuff I've been talking about is, like, really true? Right? What if God really did come here as a baby? What if he did really die for your sins? What if salvation is really available? What if living that kind of life is available to you right now? Uh, what if you can't have a room being prepared for you in heaven? What if it's all true? Salvation, saving faith responds by, by believing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, saving faith believes what, what, what God's word says about his love, his plan, his mercy, his grace, his cursing. A saving faith believes what God's word says about sin and its consequences. It believes what God's word says about Jesus, who he is, God the Son. What he did, paid a debt he did not owe. Saving faith believes that stuff. But listen, saving faith doesn't stop there. James put it this way in James 2.19. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. You think Satan doesn't know who Jesus is? You think Satan doesn't know about sin and its consequences? He knows that stuff. But see, saving faith doesn't start with believing. Next, it responds in repentance. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And what is Repentance. Listen, it's so much more than just being sorry for our sins. Now, repentance is it's making a U-turn. It's hanging a 180. It's laying down your agenda for life and embracing God's. Uh, repentance is changing your allegiance from yourself to God. Repentance is saying, you know what, God? I- I've been in charge of my life. I- I've been the boss of my life. And God, I now want to take off my old ways. I want to take off my old attitudes, my old actions, my old agendas, and I want to embrace your new way of living. That, that's repentance. Next, saving faith responds in confessing. Jesus said in Matthew ten thirty two, everyone therefore who shall confess me before men, I shall also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Understand, faith unashamedly at all times, in all places, and no matter who we're with, no matter what it costs. Have you ever been ashamed to say you follow Jesus? Been ashamed to let people know you believe what you believe? But faith, Satan says, no, no, no matter what it costs, no matter who you're with, you say, hey, Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. I love him. I follow him. See, confession is the willingness to go and stay public with our faith. So saving faith, it believes, it confesses, it repents. And saving faith responds by being baptized. The word baptism is used 80 times in the New Testament. Every time it is the Greek word baptizo, which means to dip, plunge, or emerge, or immerse. At Maple Grove, we baptize by immersion because that's what the word means, and that's what we see people doing in the New Testament. So let's spend some time looking at what the Bible says about baptism because I, I declared last week it was Baptism Sunday. I cleaned the baptistry. It's nice and clean in there, nice and warm, ready for decisions to be made. A few things to keep in mind before we jump into some scripture. Uh, baptism is not a tradition of the church. It's a command and promise of God. Baptism is not about joining a church. It's about being united with Christ. Baptism is not a parental decision. It's a personal decision. You don't have to be worthy to be baptized. 
Like, you and I, I don't know about you, but like if I'm going to take a shower, I don't take a shower to take a shower. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get cleaned up to take a bath. See, baptism is for lost and sinful people, right? It's not about being worthy. The reason we're, we're surrendering Christ is because we're not worthy, okay? And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to, and I really think I can do this. I'm just going to read scripture right here and let it speak for itself. And what do we see in the Bible about baptism? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Mark 16, 16. Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whatever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus said to Nicodemus, when he met Nick at night, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. And now I want to look at some verses in the book of Acts. And, and think about the book of Acts. The only book in the Bible where you see lost men and women responding to the gospel and being saved is the book of Acts. Okay, the gospel is, you know, Jesus' ministry. The rest of the New Testament is written to Christians and the churches, right? Book of Acts, book of history, we see lost men and women coming to Christ. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the gospel for the very first time. Convicts these guys, thousands of people, hey, you know what? You just killed Jesus, the Messiah. And here's our response. They said, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent to be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Those who accepted his message, someone say those who accepted his message, were baptized. Which means some didn't accept it, right? Which is sad. And about 3,000 were added to the number that day. In Acts 8, Philip is in Samaria performing miracles and preaching the gospel. And we read in Acts 8 verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. A few verses down in Acts chapter 8, a guy is coming from Ethiopia. He's reading in his chariot. He's a rich dude reading the book of Isaiah, and he's confused. Philip comes alongside his chariot, and this eunuch asks Philip, hey, what is Isaiah talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And, and, and the Bible says from that passage in, Acts, in Isaiah 53, he began preaching the gospel. We don't know what he said because they... Holy Spirit chose not to tell us, but here's what we read in Acts 8, 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? So obviously he told him about it, Philip, as he shared the gospel. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. In Acts 16, Paul goes to Philippi, and he, uh, some people are worshiping by the river. There was a lady named Lydia there, and she heard the gospel message, and her and her family were baptized, Acts 16, verse 15. In Acts 16, later on in, in, in Philippi, remember Paul and Silas got thrown in jail, and the jail earthquake came. That's where Elvis got his theme for the jailhouse rock, right? You know, and the, 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 the the chains fell off, and the, the guy, the guard, is like, oh, my gosh, the prisoners are going to get set free. He's about to kill himself. Because, like, man, if I lose my prisoners, Rome's going to kill me. And they say, hey, don't kill yourself. And we read this. And he says to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then... They spoke the word of the Lord to him, right? He never heard it yet. He said, hey, you got to believe. Then they began to speak the word of the Lord to him, to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took him 
out and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. In Acts 18, Paul's in Corinth preaching the gospel, and we read this in Acts 18, 7 and 8. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. Again and again, we see the same pattern. People hear the gospel, and they respond to the gospel in, in faith and repentance and being baptized. Uh, just one more example in Acts, Acts twenty two sixteen, 16. Uh, Paul is recounting his, convert, his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus uh, to a guy named Ananias. And it's been, you know, remember Paul had to, went to have Christians arrested, thrown in jail. Paul was a terrorist, not a good guy. And, and, and uh, he meets Jesus. He goes to this dude's house for three days. He's blinded. And three days later, Ananias says to him, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. A few more verses about baptism in the New Testament letters. Romans 6, 3 through 4. All of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We're therefore buried with him through baptism in the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Next verse. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. One of my favorite pictures, right? You know, you know like it, if I had a, which I do have some shirts that have stains on them, so it's not that hard to imagine, right? But imagine I, I had some clothes that were really just nasty, right? And, and for Christmas, you bought me a nice coat. Text to Steve at, <laughs> he bought me a nice coat, and, and that, that coat went to the floor all the way up here, and I buttoned it up. Like underneath, I still got a nasty clothes on, but when you look at me, what do you see? This new coat you bought me, right? And, and see, because of Jesus, because I'm in Jesus, I've clothed myself with him. And therefore, when God looks at me, he doesn't see my imperfections that are still there. He goes, oh, you're in Christ. I, I see my righteousness, right? And so I love that picture of, of we're baptized. We, we put on Christ. We put on his righteous robes. I love that picture so much. Um, I think I have one more verse. Um, Peter is writing in his letter, he's talking about how the waters of the flood saved Noah and his family, right? It washed away a wicked world. And this water, waters of the flood, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, like it's no magic in the water, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It, or you could substitute, you know, baptism, it saves you. The power is not in the water, <laughs> It saves you by what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so according to Scripture, the details we find, when a confessing repentant believer is baptized, they are born again of water and spirit. There's a verse. They become a disciple. Matthew 28. They have their sins forgiven and washed away. Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They are saved, Mark 16, 1 Peter 3. Uh, uh, they move into Christ where there's no condemnation, where we become the righteous of God and contact his death, Romans 6.3. They rise to live a new life and they clothe themselves with Christ. Would you go back to the, next, the previous slide, Josh? And, and, and I got something super, 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 super quick. Oh, gonna fall. It, sometimes in the Bible, like, remember, what, what did they tell the jailer? He told him to believe, right? Didn't tell him to repent or confess, right? The day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, he says, Repent to be baptized. He didn't say believe. And so what you find in Scripture, people are at different places, right? Like the jailer needed to believe because he didn't even know who Jesus was. The people convicted of the day of Pentecost, they already believed. So Paul didn't say, hey, he didn't tell them to do what they already did. 
And the example I've used for, for years, I used to live in Tampa, Florida, and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Northeast Atlanta's huge. Northeast Atlanta. And when I was giving people directions to come to my house, I'd say, hey, take 75 north to 285 east to 85 north and get off at exit 209 at Lawrenceville, Swanee. And, and, and like, if they were coming to visit me and they're on 285 east, right? So it's 75 north, 285 east, 85 north. If they're on 285 east right now, right? And they lose those directions, and they go ask somebody, because men always ask for directions, right? And they ask someone, hey, you know, I'm visiting my friends in Swanee, Georgia, you know, um, what do I do? Is, are they even going to mention 75 North? No, you already did it. They're going to say, hey, stay on 285 East until you get to 85 North. And so people, they're not, they're, they're not giving different answers, they're just at different places, right? Does that make sense? So we get confused, Right? And see, it's not just believe, it's not just faith, it's just not repentance. It's, it's the whole thing together are the details of God. And when the repentant, believe, confessing believers baptized, born again, they become a disciple, have their sins forgiven and washed away, and their scripture reasons for all that, it's their authority, not me, I'm not your authority. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, are saved, move into Christ, contact his death, rise in a new life, they clothe themselves with Christ. Yeah, just this past week, like three days ago, a famous 70-year-old dude that I went on to mess with was baptized. And, and, and here's, a, I think I have a picture right there. Hawk. Hawk Hogan was baptized uh, on the 18th. And, and, and he said, total surrender, dedication to Jesus is the greatest day of my life. Praise God. So, and he, obviously, he's got to wear his, his do-rag and it's got to be white. But, you know, he, you know, he was baptized. And, and, and if you not yet surrendered your life to Christ in baptism, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Do you believe in who he is? Are you ready to embrace, or maybe already embracing his agenda for living? Are you willing to confess him as Lord? Then why wouldn't you be, if you haven't been baptized today and, and you believe in who he is, you want to serve him, I really don't know why you would walk out of this room and not do it. You know, uh, but it's your choice. It's not mine, right? But it's a gift just waiting for you right there. And I never thought I'd say it this Sunday, would you just follow Hawk, right? <laughs> you know, if you just follow Hawk Hogan, you'd be all right, you know. Um, it's Christmas Eve 2023, and I'll bring you good news, a great joy. A Savior has been born to you and to you and to you. He is Christ the Lord. Salvation is the reason. Salvation is finally here. It's available to all. It's about more than just forgiveness. And it's by grace through faith. Amen? I, I want to read something to you as we wrap up. I was scrolling through a news feed this morning, and I found five reasons why we desperately Christmas this year. I'm thinking, this is going to be good. I'm going to read this article. They're going to totally blow it. And I'll say, they, they got five reasons and missed the main reason. So that, that was my goal in reading this article. Uh, but I found it, it, it wasn't the case. Just, just listen as we get ready for communion and worship. Do we really need Christmas? Some still wage war against it in the name of political correctness, diet, avoiding family conflict, debt relief, and stress management. Or not adding to global warming. My view is that you and I desperately need Christmas. Some of our favorite Christmas stories are about the transformation of needy people. Think of George Bailey from the beloved movie, It's a Wonderful Life. George is a reluctant bank manager who comes to the brink of financial ruin and falls into suicidal despair. Or think of Ebenezer Scrooge from Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. The story begins with Scrooge as a squeezing, retching, gasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Or think of the Grinch himself from Dr. Seuss's classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He was not fit for Christmas. Why? Was it that his head was screwed on, wasn't screwed on just right? Or that his shoes were too tight? Or perhaps that his heart was two sizes too small? That's us. The reason these stories appeal to us over and over is that they picture the every man. We ourselves are in need of transformation. Add to the fact that as December inches to its end, the year itself is weary, we're ready to move on. 
Not to mention that we are all usually awash in anxiety, self-focus, perhaps even cynicism and regret. We are curved in on ourselves and need a new beginning. Isn't that what Christmas offers us? So yes, we all desperately need Christmas. Most of all, Christmas is a celebration of the coming and birth of Christ. That is what began this feast of nativity. In Matthew 1.24, the message says to Joseph, Do not fear, take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Christmas offers hope. We're not alone. God is with us. It declares that the eternal Son of God invaded space and time, assumed our human nature, became man, brought to us a righteousness we did not have. The crib and the cross are deeply connected. He came to die for our sins that we might have forgiveness and everlasting life. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, The Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. This is not only a supreme mystery, but also what Lewis calls the grand miracle. It's still the greatest story ever told. A story of hope that lays the basis for transformation of every person who will have him. Remove this part and you lose the power of Christmas. Amen. Would you stand with me? Remove Jesus. Remove the message of salvation. And Christmas really loses its power. You know, every week we, we take communion to remind ourselves that Jesus died for our sins so that we will not have to die for our sins. And the cradle and the cross are just so linked together. And as we sing the song, just think about Jesus and what he came to bring and about who he is. And this Christmas, if you are saved, if you surrender to him, man, as we sing the song, I just want you to celebrate where you are and who you are and all that God has done in you and through you and he's not done with you yet. Just celebrate what you have because of him. And if you need to make a decision to receive him, I, I, I pray, man, that you'll really, really think hard on it as we sing this song. Um, we keep our communion off to the side at two various stations that you can grab. But let's sing the song like we mean it and believe it. <laughs>